This morning, as, as we look at the scripture text that, that George read for us, um, I want to encourage us uh, to keep the Bible in front of us this morning. I don't always do this and point this out, but I think it's very important as we, we read this, as we, we, t- we teach it, we look at it, that you have it in front of you. And I think one of the, this morning's one of those days where you need to do that because there's some things in here that maybe uh, we're not familiar with. Maybe we... we Maybe it's the first time we've been in church this morning. Maybe we, we've only been in church a few times. Um, but, but there's some things in here that, that I want to make sure we, we hear, and not just hear, but also read with, with our eyes. So I'd love for you, there's a Bible in the, the back of the seat in front of you. I'd love for you to take this out. And we're on page 62, and it's Luke 17, verse 20 through 37 is, is what we're going to look at this morning. So I'd love for you to, to follow along there. And I'll read the verses as we go along, just verse by verse this morning. Um, If you're having people over to your house, what are some things you're going to do? You're going to start cleaning up a little bit, right? Tidying things up. If if you're going to have a meal, you're going to make sure that meal's prepared and and ready. You're going to prepare your house for the guests that are coming. If you have a business trip coming up, some of you business guys that, that, that travel, um, you, you are going to plan for that trip. You're going to make thing, sure things are in order. You're going to make sure you've got your tickets lined up. You're going to make sure you've got your Uber lined up or your Lyft. You're going to make sure you have that lined up. You're going to make sure you have your hotel dr- uh, lined up. If you go on vacation the same way, you're going to make sure things are in order, things are ready and planned. If you have a presentation, at work, at your job that you have to make, you're going to make sure you're ready for that. The last thing you want to do is get up in front of everybody and just bomb it, right? Uh, same thing at school. Say you've got to get up and give a speech or you've got to present something. The last thing you want to do, right, is, is, is not be ready, okay? You want to be prepared. Well, this morning, I think, is a text that, that causes us to think about our readiness, our, our preparedness, And it deals with the kingdom of God. There's going to be a big question that is asked as we begin today, and Jesus is going to address that, and he's going to answer in a way that gives us a picture of the kingdom as a present reality, okay? That the kingdom of God is a present reality, but also it's something that's in the future, that it's something that's coming. So it's kind of like this, with my kids... um, we try not to always say no, even though they would testify up here and say, my dad and my mom say no this many times during the day, and it's quite a bit, all right? And so we'll say no to things. But one of the things we also try to do is we say not yet, right? Not yet, because there's some things that not yet, okay? And obviously there's that every now and, so, every now and then, yes, all right, yes. <laughs> but not yet, not yet. And I like that. So not yet. And that's the kingdom of God. It, it's here, but also not yet. And we'll kind of unpack that this morning. So look at the text, would you, with me? Uh, the kingdom of God, all right? The coming kingdom. First of all, it's a present reality in the here and now. And how do we see that? Look what Jesus says. In Luke 17, verse 20 through 21, um, he was being questioned by the Pharisees, it says, as to when the kingdom of God was coming. He answered them, Jesus did, and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. 
So he's asked this big question by the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? They're the religious guys. They're the guy, guys who um, will communicate and talk about, about the law, but they're hypocritical in the sense that they don't live by the law. Okay? And they weren't fans of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They did not believe for him to be God. They did not believe him to be the Messiah. And so this question is one of mockery. Uh, this, this question isn't one of searching to seek to know, okay, what, what's the truth here? That They're trying to trick him. They're trying to discredit him. Now, they've heard John the Baptist. They've even heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. But their idea of the kingdom of God was this. They believed that a Messiah would raise up. He would be a man, and that he would raise up, and he would be this powerful authority, and that he would be military in, in what he did, and he would overtake Rome and end the oppression of the Jews at the hand of the, of the Romans. And so that the Messiah would come and end that. That was their view. But that's not God's plan. That wasn't God's view for the Messiah. And so here's my question this morning. What is the kingdom of God? When you hear the word kingdom of God, what do you think of? What do you think of? Well, let me just give you something real simple. When you hear the kingdom of God, you think of this. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. Real simple. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. So the question asked is really this. When will the rule and the reign of God be on earth through the coming Messiah? The Jews had their view, right? But God has a different plan. There's a present reality of the kingdom of God even now. And so Jesus helps us a little bit. What do we know about the kingdom of God? The first thing he says is it's not going to come with these signs that we're going to receive. So we're not going to be able to say, oh, listen, there's a plane up in the air with a big banner behind it that says the kingdom of God is, is here. All right. It's not going to come like that. It's going to come with, with, oh, there it is. There it is. Jesus says, no, it's, it's not like that. And he's going to explain to us a little more what it is like and what it will be like when it comes here on earth. But the first thing I want you to hear him say is at the end of verse 21, he tells the Pharisees, and the disciples I think are around as well, he says to them, behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Interesting statement. What this means is that the kingdom of God is in your grasp. It's in your presence. Uh, it's among you. It, it's right there. So what did he mean? He was talking about himself. Why? Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He is king of the kingdom of God. And where he is, the rule and the reign of God is. And so he's talking about himself. Literally, the kingdom of God is right there in their midst. Yet the Pharisees, they missed it. They missed it. So the kingdom of God is a present reality. And so where Jesus is, that's where the kingdom of God is. So where is the kingdom of God today? What does that look like? What does that mean? Because Jesus, right, he has died, he has risen, he has ascended to heaven, he is now at the right hand of God, reigning in all authority in heaven with the Father. So where's the kingdom of God now? Let me read to you a passage in scripture that kind of gives us an idea. Romans 14, verse 17, says this. The kingdom of God is not eating, it's not drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace, 
It's joy, look at this last phrase, in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a person. It's God, right? We see that in places like John 14, John 16, talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And so where is the Holy Spirit today? The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in believers, And so if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a personal relationship with him, you have trusted in him and followed him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. And so all the qualities of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, all Those characteristics of the Spirit live inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And so where the Holy Spirit is, that's where the rule and the reign of God is today. As Jesus is Lord of your life. And so the kingdom of God also has this idea that it it lives in us. And that he is ruling and reigning in our life. And we follow him as our Lord. And so the kingdom of God is expressed today in and through God's church, his people, not a building, but his people, okay? As we live out in obedience and we submit to him as king of our life. So that's the present reality of the kingdom of God today. But the Pharisees ask the question, when's it coming? When's it coming? And so Jesus is going to address not just the fact that it's here today and this is how it's here today, but he's also going to tell us about the idea of the kingdom coming, future, And so what does that look like? And he addresses that next. Look at verse 22. He turns now to his disciples. Who are his disciples? Right? They are his followers. Uh, This could be 12 disciples. In some cases, it's it's more than that. There's other disciples as well that Jesus had than just those 12. But he's speaking to his disciples, his followers, and he says this. The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you will not see it. They will say to you, look there and look here. Do not go away and do not run after them. And Jesus right here is talking about the kingdom of God. It's not yet fully revealed. We don't see it yet, okay? It hasn't come yet. And so there's a patience here. There's a patience that we have to have. Listen to how he talks to his disciples. He says, the days will come when you long to see the days of the Son of Man. First of all, who's the Son of Man? Okay, It's capitalized there. I heard some people say Jesus. That's exactly right. Okay, In Daniel chapter 7, so when you think of Son of Man, I want you to think of Daniel 7, 13 through 14. I love this passage. It says this, I kept looking in the night vision. This is Daniel. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. So there's that phrase. So this is written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. There was a son of man that was coming. He came up to the ancient of days. He was presented before him. And to him was given dominion. There was dominion, authority, power, control, glory, and a kingdom. That all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. And listen, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so now, hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus comes and he is that one. He is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah. So that word, Son of Man, carries with it the idea of Messiah. That he is the one who has come to save 
right? And he is king of the kingdom of God, of a dominion that is everlasting and will never change or go away, his rule and reign. The Son of Man is used about 80 or 90 times in all of the Gospels, and so Jesus uses it here to speak of himself. And it says here, the days of the Son of Man. It says the disciples will long for the days of the Son of Man. Why might the disciples long for those days? Because they have suffered. They've been ridiculed. They've been rejected. Have you ever been rejected for following Jesus Christ? Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been laughed at? The disciples had. They knew what that was like. And so they longed for for the kingdom to come. They longed. And Jesus here is giving them a word of patience. A word of patience. Because during those days, as they're longing for the kingdom to come, there will be what we would maybe call uh, messianic pretenders, people who, who say they're the Messiah. There will be people who are false teachers and false prophets who will say, hey, that the world's gonna end on this day. Okay, we've heard that before, right? That the, it, the world's gonna end on da 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 dot date, Right? And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't follow them. Don't follow them. Don't go after them. Don't listen to them. You're going to see a lot of that. We see a lot of that. We will continue to see a lot of that. And Jesus says, "Don't, don't follow those people. What's interesting is Jesus says in Matthew 24 that there will be some that will be so deceived, excuse me, deceived, lied to by others. There will be some that even fall into that. And he says, yes, even the elect. That's how strong the deception will be. And that, that, that's serious. And so we've got to be aware of that. So here's what Jesus does. He says, hey, listen, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, talking about himself, will not come in secret, okay? It will be something that is um, recognizable, okay? You will recognize it. And here's what he's going to say. Look at verse 24. For just like lightning, we've seen a lot of that lately, just like lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, it shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. So the kingdom of God will be visible. It will be unmistakable. Think about lightning, all right? Um, There's been a few times the last few weeks, it has just lit up the whole sky, from one side of the sky to the other, and just surrounded us. And he says, that's what the Son of Man will be like. When he comes, it will be evident. You will know. Think about Jesus. The first time he came, he came as a humble babe in a manger. In a a very obscure, remote town, largely unnoticed in Bethlehem. He came in humility, bringing salvation as a lamb. That's how he came. His second coming, it will be visible. It will be unmistakable. It will be universally, right? And he will return in all glory to execute judgment as the lion. That's how he will come. He will come that way. But before that day, Jesus says, before that day comes, so again, patience, right? Before that day comes, look at verse 25. He says this, first, the Son of Man, he, talking about himself, Jesus, must suffer Many things. He must be rejected by this generation. So what I love about this is the kingdom of God has order. Divine order. God has a plan. God is working his plan. 
We sung about this. Philippians tells us. Paul says that, and that God has a plan. He, he is faithful, and he will bring unto fruition. He, he will bring to completion all that he is working out. He, he, will, he has order. He has a divine order. And so first, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer. What is that talking about? It's talking about his death on the cross, right? Jesus must first die. He must face death at the hands of sinners and he will die on the cross but what's significant about his death is that he took the place for you and I you see Jesus is God he is perfect he has no sin in him yes he is human okay but he is God 100% God 100% man he has no sin in him he was tempted just like you and I we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks but he never disobeyed God never I mean think about that How many times do we get through the day without doing that? Never, right? We all fall short of that. Jesus never did. And he hung on the cross, went to the cross, and he died for you and I. He took upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve because of our sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, right? We all deserve that. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve punishment. But Jesus willingly went to the cross, and he suffered for you and I. He says we t- he took our place. He took our sin upon himself. He paid for it. And what do we get if we believe in him? The righteousness of God. We get to know God. We can be forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's amazing. And Jesus has that in view here as he's talking to his disciples. He says, first, I've got to do the work of God. I've got to go suffer, and I've got to be rejected by this generation. First, that must take place. I love that. He must. It's God's sovereign will. It's God's sovereign plan that he must die. That's why he came. Guys, that's good news this morning. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? I want to encourage you to, to think about that. Because you're going to hear some things here in the next few moments that when that day comes, when Jesus comes back, if we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, okay, then we will face this judgment. It's real. So I don't want you to think this morning this is some pie in the sky and it's just some theory and it's some, you know, book that we're reading along with the millions of books that are in the world. No, this is the Word of God. And so what God is going to talk about next is right after Jesus says, first, I've got to go do this. I've got to suffer and I've got to die. What he's going to talk about next is is reality that's coming. It's a judgment. And so we've got to think about our own souls this morning. Do we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? And so it's a good place to stop and pause and say, hey, have I trusted and followed Jesus? Okay. But look what he says next in verse 26. And this is where it gets a little historical. So if Maybe you've never read the Bible. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Some of these parts, you're going to be like, who are these guys, right? What's Jesus talking about, okay? And I'll kind of catch you up a little bit. Look what it says in verse 26 through 27. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, okay? Noah in the Old Testament. So it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating in Noah's day. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were be given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, Okay, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So think about the day of Noah. What do we know about the day of Noah? The Bible tells us that it was a corrupt day. It was a sinful day. 
Uh, in fact, Genesis 6 says that all the people on the earth were corrupt. Um, they were people of violence. And so you had that on the day of Noah there in Genesis chapter 6. But God showed favor to Noah and his family, to his wives, to, excuse me, to his wife, to his sons, Okay? and also to his son's wives. He also took favor upon two of every kind of animals. Okay? And so everything else, though, what did he do? He destroyed with floodwaters. And Noah was told to build an ark, so he built an ark. He put his family, along with this two kinds of every animal, up on the ark, inside the ark. And then what's interesting, in Genesis chapter 7, Verse 16, it says, as his family went on and as Noah started to go on, what did God do? The Lord closed the door to the ark. That's a dramatic and important verse. Because what that means is is that the patience of God, the grace of God, closed right then. Noah and his family, they will escape judgment, but everyone outside the ark, what do they face? The judgment and the punishment of God. And the floodwaters will come. And everyone on the earth, outside the ark, what will happen? They will all die. Can you imagine that? It's horrific. Yet, we used to, I don't know, it's not such a big theme anymore, but it kind of still is. We used to, that's why we used to, you know, dress up nurseries and stuff with kids, Right? That's, that's kind of cool to think of, judgment, punishment for the nursery decoration, all right? Woohoo! That a boy. It's cute, though. It's cute. It's a cute story. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. The animals are cute. All right. Um, so here's a way to look at this. So he says, that's the way the coming of Jesus is going to be. That's how I'm going to come. That's what it's going to be like. People are going to be doing their own thing. Right? They're doing their own business. They're living their lives. And, and some of those things that he mentioned, eating and, and drinking and marrying and all that kind of stuff, those aren't in themselves bad things. But the point is they were indifferent to God and to his word and to his warning. And they just lived the way they wanted to. Does that sound familiar? Times haven't changed. And they were indifferent to God, and so they faced the judgment of God. And so they, those who were living that way, they didn't expect it. It came unexpectedly. And so what does that mean? We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared ourselves. What about the days of Lot? Look at verse 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. That's burning sulfur. It's not real good for the skin, okay? That came from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. That word revealed right there is the word apokalupta. All right, it's a fun little Greek word. It means this, uh, apocalypse. Right? That's where we get it. It's the idea of appearing or revealing. Okay? It's talking about the day of the Son of Man. But the day of Lot, think about the day of Lot. They were doing the same thing. They were buying, selling, they were planting, they were building. They were going about their own business. But here's what we read in Lot. In fact, we're not going to read it this morning, but if you go to Genesis chapter 19, okay, you get a good picture of what was going on. They were immoral. Okay? Uh, you had sexual immorality, you had violence, corruption, 
It, it was horrific, horrific. And so God sends two angels. He sends them to Lot. He tells Lot, hey, listen, you, you got to get your family and you got to get out of here because God's about to throw down fire and burning sulfur from the skies and this place is going to burn up and you need to go to the mountains and get out. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. Don't even look back. And that's a strong warning. Don't even look back. And so God did. God rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone fire from the Lord out of the heavens. And once again, unexpected judgment to those who were just going about their day. Right? Indifferent to God. But judgment came. And only a few escaped. Lot and his family. That was it. They escaped the judgment of God. So will be the day of the Son of Man when he returns. It will be unexpected. Those who escape, those who know him as Lord and Savior, those who will face judgment, okay, are those who are indifferent to God, who do not trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus says it's going to be the same here. But then look what he says next in verse 31 through 33. On that day, the one who's up on the housetop, all right, rooftops were low back then, and so it was a low rooftop. There will be those who are on top their housetop, whose goods are in the house. You must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Then he says this, remember Lot's wife. We'll go to her in a second. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So Jesus gives this picture of that day, of the Son of Man returning. And he says, listen, there will be one on his rooftop trying to flee the coming judgment. And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't bother with going down to get your pictures, right? Don't bother going down to get your um, Xbox, okay? Don't bother going down to get, you know, that thing you just love, that, that family heirloom or whatever it might be. Don't, don't bother going down to go get all that stuff. Don't bother going to down to get your wallet. You're not going to need it, right? Don't bother going down to go get material things in that day. And he says, just like Lot's wife. Remember her, he says. Don't be like her. What did she do? So Lot and his family, they're fleeing, right? They're, they're running out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're getting out. But what does Lot's wife do? She turns back. And God said through the angels, do not turn back. And what does she do? She turns back. And what happens to her? She turns to a pillar of salt. Just like that. Just like that. Do you think God is, is a God that should be tested? No. No. I don't know if there's another place in Scripture that doesn't clearly attest to that. He is not a God that should be tested. Don't test him. She turns back. Why? Because her heart is in Sodom. Her Lord is in Sodom. <laughs> she loved things in Sodom more than she loved God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, where is our heart? Do we care more about the things of this world than the things of God? 
He wants us to get that. He wants us not just to be a, a, an act of knowledge and mental exercise this morning and walking through and, hey, I just want to tell you this is what it's going to be like. This. No, he wants to speak to the heart. And you say, hey, what are you attached to? Because Lot's wife, man, ignored the warning of God. And you might think, well, that's just so simple. Just, lady, don't turn back. But her heart is there. Her loves are there. And she turns back. She ignored the warning of God. And Jesus says, hey, listen, whoever seeks to keep his life, like if you want to have control of your life, and you want to be the ruler of your life now, here on earth, you will lose it like Lot's wife did. But if you lose your life now, if you give up reign and give up control and you trust and you submit your life to Jesus, you will save your life. You will be preserved. Okay, just like Lot and the rest of his family minus Lot, uh, his wife and just like Noah, you'll be saved. Then look at verse 34 and we'll wrap up here. I tell you, Jesus says, on that night, so I want you to, okay, we just pause for a second, take a little break for a second. So what he's about to say next should hit, right? It should land, okay? So, so re- read it with me if you will, all right? I know we're getting a little long in the service. We've got just a few more minutes. You're doing good, right? You good? If you need to pick up that coffee next to you and take a swig, do that right now. I want you to get this last part. This last part is good. Listen to what he says because it's real, okay? I was, this is a good time to take a break for this. I was sitting in a football game Friday night, all right? Uh, I have a few passions in life. Uh, I love God. I love my family. And, um, man, I think a close third might be the Colony Cougar football, all right? I'm a big Colony Cougar football fan. One, I love, love the guys on that team. I get to talk to them every Friday before they go out and play. Um, so that's one of the reasons. But, but I love to sit with my family and other people from the community and watch the Colony football. I, just get, I love Friday nights. I do. This Friday night as I'm sitting there uh, at halftime. Halftime's real long. If you've ever been to a high school football game, halftime's about as long as the game is, okay? And the reason is because it's band time, man. It is band time. It's dance time. I mean, everybody's, everybody's got their time. So I was watching, and there are signs that go up Friday night on each side of the band from uh, Frisco Heritage. And so, uh, by the way, the colony just took care of business and handled them. By the way, you, you need to know that, right? So that's what they do, man. They just do that. So, but the band had their signs up, and it said this. The most astounding fact, and I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. I mean, it was like this big billboard. It said the most astounding fact over here. I thought, oh, wonder what's going to come up over here. <laughs> and it, then it said this, and so this is heartbreaking, right? It said the most astounding fact is that the universe is in you. And I just went, Whew. I was here because we were up like 50 at halftime. But then my heart just went. That's the most astounding fact. Might be the most astounding lie, right? And then I started looking. I, I turned to my wife and I said, "Is Oprah the band director, <laughs> <laughs> or Rob Bell, or you know who else?" But my heart broke. That's kind of funny. But my heart broke 
My heart broke. My heart broke. Those are the messages in subtle, I think this was pretty bold, ways that just come out. That's a lie, by the way. Okay, and, and sometimes you may hear that. That's an Eastern way of thinking. That's a Hindu, Buddhism kind of way of thinking. That's where that kind of stuff comes from. That's not true. Okay? I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. Right? The reason I bring that up is this. The most astounding fact okay, is right before you this morning in this text. That there is a king of the kingdom... His name is Jesus. It's a real kingdom, okay? And he suffered for you. He died for you. He loves you. He is not some king and some God who's far off that can't be reached. No, he's one that came down here to earth, and he gave up his life, and he laid it down for you. And here this morning, he wants you to know something, and he doesn't want you to miss it. He's coming back one day, and he's coming back for those who are his children, so that you can be with him forever. And so this next part right here is big because when he comes back, there's gonna be some division and separation that's tough, right? But this is the most astounding fact, right? And so look at this again, verse 34. I tell you, on that night, there will be two in bed. So kind of a picture maybe of a husband and wife. They're sleeping. One will be taken, the other will be left. Then there will be two women, and they will be grinding meal, okay, at the same place. And so this is a picture of a mom and a daughter going, and they're grinding wheat and other things for, uh, to make something. They, one will be taken, and one will be left. Then... Two men will be in a field, so they're working, right? They're working the crops, uh, plowing, you name it. One will be taken, the other will be left. Will be left. Jesus says at the time of his coming, that's what will happen. So get that picture this morning. You have a picture of husband and wife, you have a picture of a Mom and daughter, you have a picture of two guys at work. And he wants us to get that picture, and he says, listen, one will be taken away. I think the idea of, the, the idea of being taken away is the same idea when Jesus ascends to heaven in Acts 1, uh, verses 10 through 11. It says that Jesus was taken away into heaven. Okay? I think that's the same idea here. Those taken away okay, are those who are going to be saved. They're going to escape the judgment of God at that time. I think the ones left, all right, uh, the word left means to be disregarded or left alone. Hmm? So I think that means they'll be the ones who face destruction and judgment. Whatever way you take these words, take away or left, it really, there's, there's some um, interpretation over this. There, there's people that debate over it. It really doesn't matter. The idea is that there's separation, okay? Some will be saved and some will face judgment. And so let that land. And so what does that mean for you and I as a church, as, as the people of God? Is this, man, we are to be sharing the gospel faithfully because there is a day coming that will happen like this. And, and so God wants to use his people. We are his voice today. We are his messengers. We're his ambassadors to go out into the world and to share the hope of the gospel. Will everybody receive? No, no. But our job is to simply be communicators of that. At our place of work, 
all right? To those closest to us, to your family, make sure they know the hope of the gospel and what Jesus did for them, okay? Because there is a day coming. There is a day coming that Jesus paints right here, and it's real. It's real. And lastly, Jesus says this. He's talking to his disciples. His disciples ask him a question, and they say this. Where, Lord? <laughs> right? Where, Lord? Where's this going to happen? Okay? Where's this going to be? I, I think basically what they're asking, they're asking pretty much the same thing the Pharisees ask. Okay? W- when's this coming? When's the coming kingdom? Okay? And Jesus says this, and this is real simple, but I want you to understand his point. He says, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. It's a proverb. You think about this, you see vultures, you see buzzards, you see birds encircling something. What that means is there's something dying or dead below it, okay? And what Jesus is simply saying is that the day of his coming, you will know it. It will be obvious. It will be obvious. And when he comes, yes, he will bring judgment on those who don't know him. And there will be destruction. But those who know him, here's the hope, you'll escape that. You'll escape that. And so my prayer today is that you know that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, he gave you this word this morning so that you would be ready, that you would be prepared. He died for you, he took your place, he went to a cross and he paid the price for your sin so that you could know him and that you could have a relationship with God the Father and that you could live with him forever. So today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd love for you to take this time that we have in here, and maybe just say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I, I'd love to know you. I'd love to, to have a relationship with you. I, I, I want to trust in you. I want to follow you and respond to this word today in that way, in that way. And then maybe after the service, tell somebody, talk to somebody, and say, hey, listen, how can I grow? How can I follow Jesus? What, what do I need to do? And there are people all around you. I'm here. There's others. Also, during our time, in just a second, we're going to have one of our elders, uh, Graham, and his wife, Suzanne. They're going to be over in this corner to the left. They'd love to talk to you. Right? If you're here, uh, uh, we're going to sing in just a second. They'd love to talk to you and pray with you as well. Right? Let me pray for us. All right? Let's pray together.